Hello and welcome to Null Signal Station. Uh, we have a great episode up for you today. Um, I'm Sanjay, he, him. And I'm Ginevra. Um, they or she is okay also. Yeah. We have an interview with Lost Geek, head of the balance team. Uh, and we also have our news segments and uh, our rules segment. And we are looking forward to you enjoying it. Let's get right to it. My guest, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Osan, online also known as Lost Geek, pronoun CM. And I'm head of the balance team and doing quite a lot of stuff in the Netrunner universe in general, I'd say. And we are really happy to have you here. Um, can we start up with you telling me what is the balance team? Yes, uh, so the balance team is something that I think we've had in all signal games uh, back from the beginning um, it is following the work that FFG has done with the MWL back then most wanted list and the uh, general idea is to uh, introduce changes balance changes to the format once the cards are released to keep the metagame fresh and stable and fun to play for people so if we see anything like any deck being very prevalent in the matter or some broken combination of cards getting played a lot then we step in right now. We've got a ban list, so we simply ban some cards, take them out of the allowed uh, card pool for the for different formats, and uh, yeah, hope to keep the game balanced and fresh that way. You do a lot of uh, work with the standard format. Um, what sort of like data are you drawing from when you're you're deciding something is is not going well or is maybe a problem? Yeah, that's actually a good question. Um, it is kind of difficult for us to get a good data set. Netrunner is a game where like, the player level dictates a lot of who is going to win the game. It is very skill-based, so um, especially early on in the matter, you definitely see the same names getting on top no matter what they bring. Like They could be, bring a deck of bridge cards and still do well in the tournament because <laughs> they simply are really good at the game and are able to find ways and lines in a game that other people might not, for example. So for us, it's really difficult to like uh, see some people have really good results with decks where we go like, okay, is the deck the actual problem or is the person the problem? If the person is just good, then yeah, that it's fine for them to win a tournament with whatever they bring. But if it if the deck has something that um, I don't know breaks the game or does something too much over the line, then we need to step in. So it is it is kind of difficult for us to actually find a good databases. Um, Database approaches never have really worked for us that well. There's always a lot of like gut feeling and just experience that the people of the bandless team bring in to um, get a better understanding of what the actual problem is. So what kind of data do you uh, end up using? And I guess uh, related to that, what kind of gut feelings uh, do you end up using? <laughs> yeah, the gut feelings are actually interesting. I'll start with data. Uh, I'd say that um, of the circuit openers, only the real big ones actually uh, get used and used means just we look at the results look at the deck list that came out of there and then start forming our opinions on them so we look at stuff like what is the runner and corp win rate in the swiss and in the cut for example because that's a good indicator of um how are things looking in the swiss where you have people of all different uh, skill levels participating versus the cut where like the top eight top four top 16 whatever players uh got reduced out and you typically see that runners start winning more in the cut versus the swiss which is typically just the result of running being or like solving the problem that the corp is presenting you is a much harder problem than 
building the problem up yourself. So like corps always have a slight advantage in the Swiss, whereas in the cut runners with players who are really experienced in what they're doing, find ways of simply winning the game that way. Um, and our gut feelings are actually one reason why the team is uh, consists of multiple people. So uh, we are aiming for a number of five uh, members of the balance team. Right now we have three. So currently we are recruiting or we have finished recruiting uh, members for the standard uh, balance team. So we are looking forward to being five people again in the near future. And always keep out, uh, uh, look at our blogs because whenever we do recruitment uh, drives, we actually put posts on there. And the idea is that with a number of people right now, five, we were seven with our largest team, we always have a lot of different perspectives on the game. So we try to not always have just top finishers at tournaments, but also like people who like to play their own brews, who have a varied perspective on the game, which is really helpful because like, it is somewhat easy actually to look at the meta game and look at the top decks that are finishing because the meta game t- typically tends to optimize itself to a really small set of decks. But there is much more to the game than just those small set of decks. There are a, a lot of different options that you could bring and having people who actually like to explore those options are also very valuable to have on the team. And that way, each of us brings their own perspective on the game, but we have some, I'd say, guidelines we actually at some point had a a set of um, goals for the SBT for the standard balance team which we have for the standard format Um, those have changed over time and have been refined right now we are actually looking at with the new recruits maybe looking at that again and maybe redefining things for example one maybe good example could be that our top priority at some point was reducing NPE so negative player experience which has turned out to be, yes, that is what we're doing. We want to have the game to be fun, but which which has always turned out to be a very diffuse goal, actually. And we never did a change because we want to reduce NPE directly, but because that card was breaking this specific interaction. So it was never really applicable. So at some point we have started looking at things more like we want to have a game that is interactive. So if some, if some cards are making the game uninteractive because they are just, I don't know, putting too much economic pressure on the runner or on the corp or um, reduce the options that the opponent has, for example, with the prison kind of playstyle that some cops are bringing, that might be a problem because the game is not fun if you don't have any options left. So if there are cards that are too oppressive and they're able to reduce the, the number of options that the opponent has, that might be a problem. And that turned out to be a much better goal to strive for, to keep the game interactive and to have the players actually have agency, which is something that is actually fun for most players. So there are that kind of guidelines, but in the end, a lot of what we do are discussions. So we have the discussions in the standard balance team and also with the bandlist testers. So we have a second group of testers. I think in, in the past you've talked uh, with the dev team who have uh, a group of set testers, which are testing the upcoming sets and go to different iterations of the uh, new cards until they actually are finished and come out, for example, as, as we as it happened with the Automata initiative. And we have our own group of um, bandlist testers who mostly whenever like a, a big update is coming around, uh, gather around and we just exchange opinions, look at deck lists, look at what has done well in tournaments, and then try to form an opinion on what the state of the game is at, at the moment and what might need to be done about some decks that are like outliers or that, are, that turn out to be not fun or too strong or things like that. 
What would be your current review of the state of the game? Because there was, uh, when the Automata initiative came out, there were some bans that I think were recommended by the development team and there's been rotations and new cards. And so how do you feel at the moment? So maybe actually for that uh, update and information, um, the set accompanying releases are not actually really done by us. Like they go through our okay. department, and but we mostly just get the information from development and playtesting that we have tried different cards. For example, obviously one change was uh, Tithonium that got banned with the last update, mm. and that was just a, a reaction to a Tithonium being a really color pie breaking barrier that did sentry things and code gate kind of things in a barrier subtype. So that, it was already kind of over the line, but with uh, the new cards playing around with Trojans so much, with Arisana and uh, her entire like um, breaker suit, um, Tithonium was just a too easy answer to all of that. So they came to us and said, hey, we have got this card. You, you are probably already looking at it uh, a, bit, a bit. And um, like it was not a problem in the meta, but it was always whenever Tithonium turned out to be strong, it was always like a surprise because it never was supposed or like barriers weren't supposed to do these things. So we were already like, yeah, sure, we can ban that card. We are not losing much uh, from banning it and we are opening up a lot of space for design. So the, those set accompanying releases typically aim to open up some space for the new cards to live in. And we just mainly go, we are already involved in the, in the decisions very early on. So these decisions were done months before uh, the Automaton Initiative was released because it was the basis for the testing that was done there. But then we've got, like right now, we are looking at the results from the Continentals and uh, starting discussions about, okay, which decks are really too strong, which decks were just underdogs that happened to do the correct meta calls and that ha just happened to be the correct answer to whatever the runners were bringing, for example. I think the Keeling deck might be one of those kind of decks, but also the Keeling plan is really strong and really oppressive and we're looking at those kind of uh, decks for those reasons. But it's, it's always like a balance of, because everything is so, so much in flux, because everything is new, we are like a month now into this format, it's always a question of, did the other side just not find any answers yet? Or are there no answers? Is Where are we? And that's mainly just, uh, we just get come to a result by just asking in between our group, just asking us, like, what is your experience with this deck? Is it really unbeatable? Or is it just... Do you need to include some tech cards? Are we okay with forcing the one side to include those tech cards? Does that create some other problems where the corps can now abuse that in some form? So those kind of questions are getting discussed. And in the end of like a few weeks of discussions, we typically end up with a some package of bands that address all of our issues that we have that have come up in the discussions and that we are happy with. And in the past. I, I would say like the last year or two of updates, we've been really uh, happy with how they turned out as we managed to address like at least the main big problems. And I think also our, our blog post made, did a good job at uh, also communicating those ideas to the community and sometimes also communicating that, yes, we know that problem X exists, but we don't have a solution for it yet. So we don't address that. We just address this for now. Things like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, anytime a ban list update comes out, uh, in addition to just here's the banned cards or here's the unbanned cards or here's the cards we have touched uh you put out a really nice uh summary of what y'all are thinking and uh it's appreciated thank you a, qu a question uh tied into what you just said how does the sort of competitive schedule 
uh, effect when you want to put out ban list uh, updates? Because certainly, you know, we had rotation and a tiny ban list update with the Automata Initiative, right? And yeah. conveniently, that's right before Continental season. <laughs> we do have uh, Worlds coming up very soon. Um, yes. How does that impact what y'all are doing? Uh, it doesn't impact it very much. We try to. Like, for example, we couldn't do a banlist update a week before Worlds. That would just not work. Firstly, because of legality, because we tend to, like, do at least one week of uh, distance between the banlist update and it being legal for a tournament. But also, like, if we kept the legality window, people want to be testing for Worlds. So that would not be a good fit for how our people are approaching the game. And we, we would like to, for example, the Worlds update, do it, like, three or four weeks before Worlds happens. That's also kind of the reason why I wanted to do this podcast, just to make people know that, yes, we are thinking about things. Where, where are our minds at this current moment and how how impactful could the changes be or not be? And I, I guess we could also like discuss the actual uh, state of the matter a bit more soon. But um, it is mostly like for Continentals and for Worlds, which are, are big tournaments, we try to time our updates and also our releases as much as we can to be a good fit for those tournament schedules. For example, this time, the Automata Initiative cut it really close, and I think APEC kind of hurt for it a bit um, since there was only a week between the cuts being fully released. I guess spoiler season happened a bit earlier, so people started to get to know those cards already, but like testing only had a week of time until the tournament happened, so people were really kind of unprepared, which can be fun in its own right, but we would like to have normally a bit more time for people to play with the cards, also for uh, bugs to be found on Janet and stuff like that for those online tournaments to have to work well. So it is, we would like to not cut it that close normally. I, I would say for the big tournaments, we definitely try to time it so that everything works out fine. Um, then we, when we look at uh, circuit openers uh, season and like the game night kits and so on after the big end of the tournament season happens, there we have a bit more space to work with and we try to find a good spot where we say, okay, we ha- we've had a few months in this metagame now, we can now do a change, have some more months, and then the new set hits and we get some new cards and things change once again. So it's always like, our job is it to keep the game fresh, whatever that means. So if, if there is a space of time where no big tournaments happen, maybe we can get away with a few less updates and just ha- have people explore whatever is in the game right now. If there's more activity, broken stuff tends to be found more quicker, so then we would maybe need to act more. So it's always it's always a balance. Did you want to go into how you're feeling about the meta at the moment? And I should say that the three continentals have run by the time we're recording this, but not the intercontinental yet. Yes, exactly. Um, it was actually a really interesting development to see, like with APEC being the first unexplored um, a tournament. And I kind of felt that especially in those kind of situations, people tend to revert back to their like uh, safe home deck. So that's the reason why we, I think, still see a lot of Hoshiko, for example. I think the deck is solid, but it's not doing anything that's over the line, for example. So we are looking at it where we see that a lot of players are picking Hoshiko, but it might be just a safe pick for players to uh, bring in a tournament where they don't actually quite know what the corpse might be bringing, for example, like that. Uh, I think otherwise on the runner side, things look pretty healthy. Uh, I have to say, uh, we were much more wary about the new set hitting, and we thought that some cards might definitely be over the line. Like, we were joking that uh, it will take like two weeks and then we will have to emergency ban Cuban and Sachi because of some Rubicons, <laughs> which I don't know, we're just re everything and you're having horrible time deck, and that never appeared. So, 
either people are keeping it secret for worlds, but I don't see it yet. So <laughs> I hope that such a deck just doesn't exist. And I would say, like, generally, we are really surprised how balanced and how well the set hit because we're doing a lot of testing and don't get me wrong like the, the, the work that set testers are doing are, is really important but it's also so much less of just volume of games getting played compared to when the set is out and the entire player base is playing with the cards so the fact that right now after three continentals we still don't really have a deck that has broken something beyond recognition is really surprising to me i, w- I was I was thinking something might happen. So we were really we were really prepared to do some emergency ban right now to fix things. But I'd say in the meta game there are like two decks that we are looking at just because the games that they're producing are not that interesting and fun. And that would be like Keeling based, Igame Fusion, Atea, some Jinteki Glaciary kind of decks. And while the strength of those decks might be debated, I think the fact that Egg Infusion closes down everything that you can do with Pinhole and just makes that Keeling stick on the board in many, many different board states and all the runner just expends all of the resources to just have the Keeling reinstalled and not being able to recover in the five turns or so that they have really makes for some really oppressive games. And I think we might find a ban on that. We are still in discussions and we still have to meet up in our team and actually discuss it, but... I would not be surprised to see us in the end come up with a list that contained the Keeling ban. So any people who are looking into training that deck, maybe also look for some alternatives. The other deck that we might be looking at for the same reasons are the R-plus decks. Although going into the season, they looked a lot stronger than they ended up at, for example, at EMEA, uh, so the European um, African Tournament uh, Continentals. There they kind of did not show any good results. And people who brought it felt like it was a strong deck, but runners now, both by just knowing the lines against the deck and just by having decks that are built in a way that they can resist the the, the pressure that R-plus can bring, um, have found ways of dealing with it. So we will still continue to monitor it and discuss it in in our teams and maybe uh, also talk about... I've seen a lot of this Sparrow uh, Brawler, I think the deck was called, like a Sparrow kind of build. Uh, there's also the asset-based decks, and I think they saw less play in the tournaments, mainly because it's more difficult mostly to build an asset-based deck uh, and make it run well. So there might still be something like that around, because just Opera Research is a really good card out of R+, where you can get the first half of the card just for free, and the second half only costs five credits more. So... There might still be decks around that abuse that, and we would not be too happy to see it out of R+, and would rather see it out of the other MBN IDs who don't have that like fallback solution of always getting two credits whenever they play this very powerful card. But then again, we didn't see the results in the tournament, so it would ma- mainly be a question of do we want to preemptively prevent such a deck from appearing because it will create long games, really grindy games, and that's not a place that I really want to promote that much. Because it puts some strain on tournament structure, games tend to go long. Like if, if two players bring out plastic and have to play the games in 65 minutes, that's really a tall ask sometimes because the games just take a lot of time for the runner to evaluate the board states, decide where to go f- for some attacks on the core and where to just sit back and build up. So yeah, I would say those are actually really the only two decks that we're looking at and Hoshiko just for being that present at all of the tournaments. But once again, there is a lot of different considerations going on. Players who want to do well just bring something that they feel comfortable with. Like, for example, Arisana decks, we saw them here and there, but people tended to bring them more in later tournaments because in the early tournaments it was more like, yeah, I've got this pet build. I'm not really there yet. I have to see if I change some cards. Let's just pick Hoshiko. I'm more comfortable with that one. So we always see those kinds of decisions and we'll see. We'll have to discuss this. Also see what our testers are, are thinking. But 
I would be saying like if we see bans happen, it will be based around those three kind of areas of the game, two corp, one runner. Um, but I don't see us doing a really big change that we were maybe initially looking at before going into rotation and actually seeing how the games play out. If you were to do a change, and I know you're not saying you yeah. you will or you won't, but if you were to, when would that probably happen? Yes, if we were to do a change that would happen, we are aiming for best case four months before Worlds, but like looking at the time, we already are pretty advanced in the in the, in the <laughs> schedule. So I, I would say like three, mo- uh, three weeks before Worlds would be our deadline. Any change should be released by that and then be legal a week later. So be ready in time for Worlds. But as, as I've said, like, since the change that we're looking at is rather small and just kind of targets a few decks and just takes them out of the metagame, we don't expect that to shake up that much of the general balance and of the format. So I wouldn't expect the format after band to feel a lot different than before bands. Just certain decks will not be able to be played, of course. Uh, no, I know we just, uh, I guess... To- uh, put your feet more to the fire, and sorry if we're doing that. Um, <laughs> no, just go ahead. I know we just, I know we just finished uh, recruitment for um, some of the uh, balance team positions yes. uh, with maybe uh, one position very focused on startup. Yes. Do you know when about people would expect um, some something from the balance team on? Hey, here's what we're up to with startup. So I would expect that to happen afterwards because just a lot of our headspace will be filled with standard-based things based around what happens at Worlds. Best case, I would say, like towards the end of this year, we will see some kind of action happening there. I'm intentionally keeping it rather vague because I want to keep it open for the next person who will fill this position to like fill it with whatever they feel like is appropriate for the startup format. I have some ideas, like for example, as I wrote in that blog post, I think that the panel-based format would be really great to just invite the community and say like, hey, what do you want to play? What, how do you want the game to look like? And um, so I would hope that the person that comes also sees it <laughs> like I do and keeps that approach. But I think um, Startup definitely needs some form of action. The players are looking at a, right now at a format that is very dependent and determined by the existence of both, so the endurance, as a key card for runners to interact with the corp. And any corp has to have, like every single corp has to have a plan how to deal with the endurance on their side. Like what does their ice do against it? What ice do they res? Can they afford to res all of the stuff? Are they even playing that much ice or do they have to go with some other plan? Are they planning on um, destroying uh, the endurance with retribution or something like that? Or are they just trying to score faster than it? it? It is warping the entire format right now. And I think players have had their fun with the card, but... Similar to how in standard, after a few months, we were like, yeah, okay, it was fun while it lasted. Now let's try something else. I see that Sata players also want to now experiment with some other decks. And people actually on JNet putting up uh, lobbies with no boat or stuff like that in the title because they just are fed up with playing with the card. I, I, I do get that. Like, I definitely do get that. But from our perspective as the standard balance team now in particular, um, we never really felt comfortable enough with startup, especially because the data is much more muddy than it is already for standard because like players of all different um, um, skill levels and experience with the game, like complete beginners come into the startup format and we also want it to be a home for them and they are more than welcome to join tournaments, but then the results are more based around what people have joined the tournament and not necessarily what decks have they have brought. So it is hard for us to make decisions based on that. And also whatever decisions we do, we have a much easier time targeting the top tables, as I often call it, because there we know players of 
the highest skill level are playing against each other, we can actually like play out the matchups in our heads because we know they will be taking the ideal lines and then we know, okay, this deck should win against that deck. But in the actual tournament, sometimes you have decks, for example, like the Endurance, which can be very easy to apply and very hard to play against and therefore also warp the game like that by just being a very easy to use card that kind of makes the entire balance very asymmetrical based on the experience level of both players. So maybe cards also might need to leave the format just for that reason alone. So yeah, the needs of the starter format are kind of different than from the standard and therefore I would like to see some other approach and getting in a community, discussing it amongst ourselves or them because I, I don't I, I'm personally not playing that much of startups so I would say like between themselves um, and then just coming up with some changes that fix the issues that they see and create the format that they want to play would be something that I really would like to see and do you feel that the startup philosophy might eventually be a bit different to the standard philosophy when it comes to bands yes I could definitely see that happen like I could definitely see one goal to be uh, that the games need to be um, interactive for the players that are playing them for example if if a player puts a boat on a table or like the endurance on the table and just make some random runs value will happen out of nowhere like even if they make runs that are actually bad for them and should be punishable with a with a card that is so strong as the endurance that punishment might never happen because like the corp just doesn't have enough resources to spend and punish that one or two runs that were made on servers that they actually didn't need to go on or assets that were trashed that they that didn't need to get trashed at the, in this specific board state. So maybe the philosophy for startup might be that games should happen on equal um, difficulty level, let's say, or like equal uh, difficulty of making choices. And decks that are too easy to apply pressure on the other side might need to go for that reason alone which on, in standard we don't really see because we're more balancing for players who have enough experience with the play patterns that they can also exploit the gaps that are left behind by certain downsides of a card, for example. So I could definitely see that happen. And I don't know whether this is a fair question, but do you play <laughs> other card games and are the kind of ideas and philosophies that the balance team applies in Netrunner similar to what people do in other games? To be fair, I'm personally not playing that much else of card games or like games with this kind of balance approach. I've played some like video games, but I would say the balancing of video games kind of is different. You're not like banning a card. It's, it is much more errata based where the hit rate of something changes or like the HP of some character changes, things like that, which we being a card game can't really apply in the same way. Um, during COVID, I've dabbled a bit with Magic the Gathering and I've played several different formats, actually getting kind of stuck with Pauper because I kind of find it approachable and fun and actually workable on a budget. So um, I've actually, the panel idea from Startup for, for me came from Pauper and from some other uh, games that people have then pointed out to me. Like I know that EVE Online has a community panel, which does kind of a similar thing that we are uh, planning now with Startup. So it was an idea that I let's be honest, stole just from other games where it already worked out fine. And I think that's a hopefully a fine approach to take. But yeah, I would I would say that like I, I, I like looking at other games and I like looking at their design ideas behind the balance changes that they do. And I think like Magic the Gathering also puts out a lot of information and blog posts around those kinds of ideas. Um, and I like to follow that. Like just as a short example, uh, there was a discussion lately about... Um, whether we can do balance changes based on things other than just win rates and like the the power level of decks. And one question was, what about like 
being able to fit a game into a tournament structure. And I know that, for example, Magic the Gathering had, has had Sensei's Divining Top as a card that was creating a lot of long games because for a small cost, you could rearrange the top three cards of your deck. And whatever card you want to have on top might change in between the decks. And so you are constantly just spending a mana and like looking at the top three cards, taking a minute to think, reordering them, and then later on just doing the same thing over again and reordering them in some different way. So... Uh, the card got banned just for time considerations and for being able to have a smooth game of Magical Gathering. So I'm also looking at those kind of ideas and going like, huh, okay, other games have dealt with different, like with similar uh, problems and have found solutions for them. And maybe some of those are also a good fit for us. And I'm always like on the lookout for stuff like that. And also always like to read links that people send me about other games as well, even games that I don't personally play. Uh, now, to switch tack a little bit, uh, you know, we have you on here as uh, <laughs> the head of the balance team, but uh, that is not your only uh, contribution to the Netrunner community. <laughs> um, there's actually quite a few. Lots. Would you like to talk talk about some of your other hats that you wear? Yes, I, I, of course. I'm happy to. Um I've just like mainly have tackled things that are fun to me and like a lot of different things in this game and in this community have been fun to me. Um, I would say the first thing that I started doing where I was maybe a bit more visible to the community was my work with JNet. So I'm one of the developers of JNet. Uh, If you ever saw cards getting stacked once like multiple different assets are getting installed, that was an idea that I had because I was just... I didn't want to zoom out to 70% ever again. <laughs> so I just decided to, I want to have a feature to stack those assets on top of each other. So stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm doing a few UI changes. I've also worked on the back end there. And I would invite anyone who either wants to learn Clojure or knows Clojure and wants to work on a project to just join us and help out with whatever you feel like could be improved with the with the JNet website. Like it is a it is a wonderful project to work in and wonderful developers to work with there. What would be the best way for people to reach out if uh, they are excited? interested in working on jnet i would guess like go to any of the jnet sites on the community hub so i would like to say uh, there's a channel in glc which i think is called jnet like maybe tools developments some some in the development section there is a channel i think jnet cobra and another thing <laughs> yeah might be like there, there's definitely a site that is or like a channel that is called yeah. jnet and something there go there just post there we lurk in there and we will we will read it uh, on Stims, like also there's a JNet channel or Jinteki underscore net channel that you can join and uh, ask, and we are also always read there. Uh, also, just um, if you if you find yourself being able to work on it alone, just put a pull request on uh, um, on on GitHub. The, the GitHub is linked in on the JNet side, and we will just see it there and get in touch with you there. So there are, there are multiple different ways of getting in touch with us there. I'd say and. Uh... I think I cut you off uh, before you got into some of the other stuff that you were doing. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> At some point I started, like, it was back when Valencia versus CTM was, like, a big matchup in the game and people were fed up with hot news. And I felt like I can see players being unhappy with this, how this card plays out, but I've had so much fun with this deck. Let's try to find the teaching experience that players can maybe get to appreciate the, the depths of, of lines and game styles that go into these kind of decks. And I came up with this Project Crow based on the Crow meme where the code just goes, I'm the best at Netrunner and CTM is the best and uh, tags are the best form of non-binary uh, punishment and so on and so forth. People have probably seen this uh, meme, otherwise just probably type exclamation mark Crow in any chat in the Netrunner space and th- that meme will pop up. Um and uh, I, I went like, okay, let's let's find a way of bringing people into the standard format. 
back then we didn't even have like startup or anything like that. So I just started with the core set. I think maybe revised core plus or our system got core 2019. It probably was back then. Maybe. I don't know. I would need to look it up. Uh, but some sort of like core set plus a bit. So the first, it was a, a mini campaign in four stages. The first decks were just core set plus on the core side, HTD News as an introduction uh, introduction from uh, from the standard card pool and on the runner side maybe a few cuts but I think maybe in, on level one not even any standard legal cards there <clears throat> and just get teach people how to play around the play patterns that happen with these certain very powerful cards in standard and coming from a card base where the players who have played maybe the core set as kind of a board game ish experience um, play are, are playing with cards that they know completely cards that they've seen a lot of times so they don't have to have to actually read that many cards because i think that's one of the barriers for newer players to get into standard just to having to read all of those different cards and having an idea of what they're doing so the idea was to in a in a, in a more controlled smaller card pool introduce the same play patterns that happen in standard and i've built that experience from reina versus making news up to uh, Valencia versus CTM as a four-stage campaign, and then later on did uh, multiple different versions, depending on whenever I found a matchup that I found fun and actually balanced against each other. So lately I've released the fifth iteration of it with uh, Arisana versus Op, starting from Tau versus uh, Build to Last. So in three steps from a kind of gateway plus system update, card pool plus a few inter- uh, um, includes from standard, you get in three stages to the actual standard decks that uh, Perkomis and I brought to the European continental. So I, I hope that this is a way for beginners and people interested in the standard format to find a way to get there because I know that the jump into standard can be really daunting because it's just a huge card pool, a lot of threats that you didn't even know existed that kill you out of nowhere. And maybe in this smaller, more uh, teaching-based approach to getting there. Um what else am I doing? I'm running a site called Gordian Blade, which yeah. a lot of people have uh, included in their morning routine now. It was kind of when Wordle was this big thing happening in the internet. I went like, I can do that. And I had a Discord bot actually for some friends of mine uh, that created, because I found a library online of somebody like reimagining the Mona Lisa just made out of circles and ellipses and like rectangles and stuff like that. I was like, wait, I can't do this. I can do this with Netrunner cards and I can also do this automatically. So I built a Discord bot that when people type like exclamation mark quiz, just put out one of these shape-based approximations of Netrunner card and people had to guess them. And it then turned out to be A, very fun, B, very addictive and C, that people could become very, very good at it. It came to the point that like the lag difference between different people playing in the Discord lobby made a difference because people were just like instantly recognizing the card and had to type out the name or enough letters of the name for it to be recognized. It was really fun. And I was like, yeah, I want to also bring this to other people and then at some point build a website where, like Wordle, you get six guesses at the card and it starts at uh, like a low amount of shapes and then ramps up from there and, uh, until in the end you... If you know the card, you can actually recognize it quite well. And you have to like guess what the card it is, and it tells you whether you got the faction right, the card type right, and so on. And it's a really, I think it's it's gotten a fun project. Uh, I'm still working on rewriting it and maybe improving it a bit because it was, it kind of got stuck in the first working stage and I never revisited it or never, never found time to revisit it. But 
Uh, I think it's workable at least. <laughs> I think it's fun. Yeah, the two spoilers uh, that Gordian Blade has uh, this yes. spoiler season and last spoiler season were some of the most uh, charming things as well. Um, it's Thank incredibly <laughs> web- it's an incredibly fun website. Any day you go to it, I assume those were both uh, all your your work as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah those were yeah, mine as well. It is mostly whenever I have an idea and a weekend that is free, I I, I get to do something. But uh, free weekends are a rare thing in my life. <laughs> Um, yeah, what else am I doing? I don't know. I, I'm like just generally around in many different Netrunner spaces. Uh, on GLC, whenever you have questions, I sometimes answer them. Whenever people post replays, I like to like go through replays and help people with their lines and so on. Like I, I like to be in Netrunner spaces. It's a, it's a fun space to be in online. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank uh, you for the invitation. And thank you for, thank you for everything you do uh, with the Netrunner community and helping keep our game balanced and lovely. You're welcome. Do you have... Any other plugs or anything else you want to say before we close off? Yeah, shout out to my uh, balance team members. So uh, it, it has been a great, also the the ones in, in the past that I've worked with, it's, it's been a great work, uh, a great time to be working with you all. Uh, shout out to my team members of NWE, which stands for New World Order, because we are bad at acronyms and everything else. Uh, but it has been always a lot of fun to be testing with you guys Uh for any ter- upcoming tournaments and yeah just i think shout out to everybody that i interacted with in the past this community is, has been a really great time and everyone that i met at tournaments online or offline uh, has been really great to be part of this space thank you thank you welcome to the news desk uh so first of all off we want to give a hearty congratulations to our three continental winners uh for the apac region we had santa uh the americas we had ranji doge uh and uh for the european middle east and africa region continentals we had saka 234 our current world champion uh take home that continentals and on uh, 9-2 uh coming up pretty soon uh, we're going to have the top four from each of those three continental tournaments facing off against each other in our intercontinentals uh, championship. Uh, we also have some other uh, winners. Uh, the Eternal Online tournament we ran uh, recently was won by Augustus Caesar. Congratulations. Uh, Australia West Coast Nationals was won by DC underscore. Uh, congratulations for that. And uh, East Coast Canadian Nationals is happening as we speak right now. So uh, we don't have a winner for that yet, but uh, that's in the works. Uh, we have a lot of upcoming tournaments coming up. Uh, for We have a few circuit openers in Esslinger on the 2nd, Malmo on the 3rd, uh, Bern on the 10th of September, and on the 16th of September, we have a CO in Philadelphia. And that one uh, was a startup circuit opener, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm going to be there. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be my birthday. Come to Philadelphia, startup. Oh, wow. <laughs> Happy birthday for when that happens. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, we were also like, there's lots and lots of nationals happening. You you mentioned um, like Australia, the the western area, and Canada, the eastern area. Um, and there's also Ireland on the 9th of September, New Zealand, uh, which is online and open to people who are not living in New Zealand or not New Zealanders. Uh, that's on the 16th of September. Um, also the western part of the U.S. on the 16th of September 
and Switzerland on the 17th of September. And we've still got Lost Geek with us. So you know a little bit about that? Yeah, quickly jumping in to plug that particular tournament as my partner is part of the committee uh, organizing it. So if you live anywhere near Switzerland, come for a nice real three-day weekend uh, in winter tour. Uh, to have a standard event, a startup side event, and a team tournament. It will be great. Just be there. And also check out if you're running for some of the prizes that we are doing, uh, some special little gifts uh, for the people attending. Yeah, I think we also have uh, Danish Nationals on the 17th. If we said that twice, you know, it's going to be a great tournament. Yeah. We also have uh, Off the Grid uh, community tournament in the mid-United mid States uh, on the 9th and 10th, and uh, we're going to do our second Eternal Online Tournament on the 10th. Uh, lots of events coming up. Um, if you are interested, uh, alwaysberunning.net is a very good place to look for uh, events in your area and online. Uh, check them out. And the other news would be that uh, Null Signal Games is looking to do some more re recruitment coming up very soon. So if you uh, are interested in joining, then please uh, look at the website and uh, look at new announcements. I think there will be a number of different positions uh, available. And I guess the thing that um, is at the bottom in small print of all of these is that these are not paid jobs. They are on a voluntary basis. So uh, that's also a thing to take into account when you are looking at them. But we would really love working with you. Yeah, uh, it is a lot of fun. So please apply. It is worthwhile in my opinion. Yes. <laughs> Hello, this is Sanjay with some late breaking news. Um, this late breaking news is concerning the delay in fulfillment uh, of the orders of uh, the Automata Initiative and the remastered editions of System Gateway and System Update uh, in the European Union. Uh, in case you're not aware, the orders to the European Union have been significantly and continued to be delayed. Um, the news I have for you is that uh, we've posted an update on our website. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's called EU Shipping and Production Update uh, that goes into, one, the details of why we had that delay and why we're continuing to have that delay, um, what we're doing to fix it and what we're making, what we're doing to try and make things better uh, and right for uh, the people affected by it. Um, I did just want to extend on behalf of signal games our apology both for the delay but also for um, our lack of communication uh, on it so on behalf of no signal games um, I'm sorry please check out uh, our website for that update uh, and I hope it uh, gives you the answers uh, that you're looking for and please reach out with further questions thank you Welcome back to the Rules Desk. Uh, I'm here, and Seth is here. Hello, Seth. Hello. It's good to be back. Thanks for coming back. Uh, so this week, we're looking at probably the most uh, questioned, asked about uh, rules interaction between two cards, uh, certainly that I've seen. Uh, we are looking at, Seth? We are looking at Hush versus Magnet. Hush says, install on a piece of ice. Host ice cannot gain abilities and loses all abilities, except subroutines. Magnet says, when you res Magnet, host a piece of, host a program installed on another piece of ice on to Magnet, and then that program loses all of its abilities. So we have some mutually exclusive ideas about who should lose their abilities here. And, uh, 
I can see arguments for both uh, losing their abilities. But obviously the rules team needs to come down on one side. So who's the winner? Is it Hush? Is it Magnet? The winner is Hush. And we've come up with a technical reasoning for why that is the case. But I will admit up front, Dev asked us to have a simple, one-sided answer at all times. Hush should win. And our justification that we have created for that is that if you've got such a disagreement between Hush and Magnet, where one of them is going to interfere with the other, the rule is that the object that is hosted on the other one gets to use its abilities first. So Hush gets to say that Magnet loses its abilities, and now that Magnet doesn't have abilities, it cannot turn off Hush's abilities. And I suppose that has implications for other hosted cards. Is that something we should look at in another episode, Seth? We haven't printed cards that are going to make this matter. And it really only matters when it comes to saying that some other card loses its abilities. This didn't matter at all until we printed Hush. Hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, there you hear it. Uh, we've got the answer. Hush wins. Thank you very much, Steph. Thanks for having me. And that was our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, talking to Lost Geek and uh, hearing about those rules. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And the, the standard and the startup balance. Um, are you going to play some games soon, Sanjay? Are you, what are you planning on? Your birthday tournament? Oh, yeah. Well, um, don't tell anybody. Uh, this is just between... <laughs> okay, definitely. This is just between us. Okay, okay. Um, I've been really into... So one thing, um, I think both of us are in the uh, Ampere versus Nova tournament. Yes. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. There's an online tournament where you have to be Ampere yeah. and Nova. I played in the last version of it. It's some of the most fun Netrunner I've ever played. I think it might be too late to join, though you could join late, maybe. I don't know. Reach out to Vale, yeah. dear listener. I'm going to be doing something very silly. I'm going to be playing uh, giant decks, so as oh. big as legally possible. It's actually only 94 cards with uh, Ampere. It's close to th- 300 uh, with Nova, so... Oh my gosh. I might have some consistency issues, but I'm going to have a really fun time. Uh, yeah. what, are, what are you going to be up to besides this excellent tournament that we're both in? I think I'm going to look towards the New Zealand Nationals being online, and maybe I want to kind of have a think about that, maybe practice up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Uh, that sounds really fun. That's on the 17th. Is that right? Uh, 16th. Oh, yeah, that's on the 16th. Uh, check out Always Be Running for that information. All right. Um, also, if uh, you all want to reach out to us for any reason, uh, you want to tell us about your tournament or um, some comments about what we've been doing on the show, uh, our email is podcast at nullsignal.games. Please reach out. Yep. And anything you want us to cover as well. That would be really interesting to know. Yeah, please do. Like anyone you want us to interview or anything like that. All right. Well, until next time, have a wonderful day. Have a great fortnight. Yeah, see you later. Bye.